Hello and welcome to level 61 of Three Extra Lives, a video game and trivia podcast. I'm your host Tom Knight. Welcome back. Good to have you here as always. If you're new, welcome. This is Three Extra Lives. We talk about video games, we talk about trivia, all the good stuff. And before I get started into this level of Three Extra Lives, I just wanted to say that I've created a Discord. Yes, there is now a Discord for Three Extra Lives, which has been set up with a slightly minimalistic approach of there's a few channels there to talk about indie games, general chat. I'm also giving away any extra kind of game keys that I have there. There's also a little secret area for Patreons, just saying. And just trying to have an extra little area to geek out about indie games, basically. And if that sounds interesting to you, you can head over to freeextralifes.com. There's a link over there for the Discord channel. You'll be very welcome to join in the discussion there. And that's all I've got to say about that. Go do it. Come join us on Discord. What are you waiting for? Anyway, let's get on with the show. First up, on this level of Three Actual Lives, I came across a great little story from the developer Bosa, which is a UK developer. And I've mentioned some of their games on this podcast before. If you were listening back in level 30, you'll remember I was talking about some games that they had prototypes of and they were testing them out and they were going to select the most popular one. Anyway, what are Bosa up to right now? Well, they've recently released as of August 2020 a game called Surgeon Simulator 2. Now this obviously is the second installment of the Surgeon Simulator series. If you haven't heard of Surgeon Simulator, well, that was a game that was released back in April 2013. And in Surgeon Simulator, you take the role of a surgeon, that might sound surprising, and in a first-person mode, you control the hand of a surgeon and you control all aspects of that hand. You control the wrist movement, you control the digits of the fingers, and you are then placed in an operating theater with a patient called Bob and you are completing various types of surgery. (laughs) Now, because of the physics in this game, it's not meant to be fairly straightforward in the controlling of this hand. It's supposed to be a bit goofy. It's supposed to be a bit gimmicky that you're trying to grab hold of tools and you're not quite grabbing them right and you're trying to complete surgery a little bit crazy and obviously not realistic in the slightest, but it's kind of like a fun take on a genre and it's very very hard game very tricky to master but it definitely is quite entertaining when you jump in there and it's a game that I've played a little bit but I've really struggled with the physics and I think that is just the the game in a nutshell and Surgeon Simulator 2 is expanding on this with multiplayer and level creation and different types of surgery so you can work together as a medical unit and Why am I bringing this up? Because Bosa have made Surgeon Simulator 2 free for NHS staff in the UK. So the NHS is the National Health Service. And obviously during global pandemic, the NHS has been completely flat out, probably without a global pandemic as well, but the additional strain of coping with that. And they've made this game free for their NHS staff, which I thought was a really nice touch. And the first thought I actually had was, 
If you were a doctor or a surgeon or a nurse or somebody that works in a hospital all day, would you want to come home and play Surgeon Simulator? But apparently, and this is kind of going from some of the comments off Eurogamer.net article on this story, is that some people have been saying like, yeah, my wife works at a hospital or my husband and they come home and they like to play the likes of Two Point Hospital or we've got the likes of people who drive trucks, drive lorries for a living and they like to come home and play like truck simulator games. So there's sometimes there's a bit of a connection of perhaps the profession that you're in and video games still being able to provide you with entertainment, which is good, I guess, because if you've got these people working in those environments and they can still come home and enjoy games based around those environments, that's probably a good sign that they are maybe in the right profession. And in this article as well, Bosa have actually an endorsement from a real life doctor who has participated in surgery and also plays Surgeon Simulator on YouTube. And it's GP registrar, Dr. Idris Morgan. And they are also saying that they do enjoy playing video games in their spare time and they're confident medical professions around the world will find Bosa's implementation of medicine and the possibility of five second heart transplants <laughs> very amusing. And of course, this game is not meant to be a realistic simulator. It's not meant to be something that somebody plays and then becomes a doctor because they've managed to complete all the levels in this game. Absolutely not. It's a very ridiculous game. It's a really lighthearted take on surgery, but it also has an aspect of like, okay, so you're opening somebody up, there's all the organs, but it's not really presented in a gory way. It's more of like when you go to the doctor's office and they've got a model of the anatomy of a human or something and they open it up and they can like pull out the lungs or you know maybe in science class or something that might be a more appropriate comparison of that but it's not like you're cutting somebody open and there's blood splurting everywhere and well I mean sometimes but I mean it's not like a complete realistic anatomy and it's presented more in a light-hearted way and also Bosa have been running speed running event in Surgeon Simulator 2 which is featuring real-life doctors and they're raising money in support of the North Lincolnshire NHS Trust and that's to improve MRI facilities and that's a 24-hour fundraiser that's been taking place on YouTube so I think it's really neat that my first impression of this headline of making this game free to NHS staff. I was like, will they want to play this? But just to see how it's being used as a tool for fundraising and actually there is people within the medical profession actually playing this game and enjoying this game. It's really nice to see and I think it's a really nice touch to make video games available for free for medical staff workers and for all of the work that they're doing and have to deal with on a daily basis to have access to video games and being able to play video games I'm sure is an escape in some ways like it is for all of us. Good on you Bosa and if you've never checked out Surgeon Simulator I would definitely recommend giving that a go because it is quite interesting game. It is an amusing play. You probably play it for about half an hour and get really frustrated because you can't control it properly but after a bit of time you start to get used to it a little bit but it is a very niche game in a way, I think, with regards to the handling, but one that will probably give you a bit of a chuckle along the way as well, even though it is about surgery. So yes, go check it out. Surgeon Simulator by Bosa. It's trivia time. So we were talking about surgery and operations, and that led me to this question. 
In what decade was the battery-operated game Operation invented? Was it the 1960s, the 1970s, or the 1980s? The correct answer was 1960s. The game's prototype was invented in 1964 by John Spinello, a University of Illinois industrial design student at the time who sold the rights to the game to renowned toy designer Marvin Glass for a mere sum of $500 and the promise of a job upon graduation. A promise that was not withheld. So there you go. If you got that one right, give yourself an extra life. Next up on three extra lives, I've been thinking about my online journey. And what is my online journey? Because these days, many, many games, in fact, most games have some sort of online component to them, online multiplayer or online enabled that you have to be connected to the internet to play them. Obviously, there's usually single player elements to these games as well, but more and more now we're seeing games take to the internet, have that online component, multiplayer, bringing people together and having that connectivity across the globe. I do what I usually do is think back to times where this wasn't always the case. I mean, I remember growing up with the likes of Sega Master System, Sega Genesis, Mega Drive, and that was never even a thought that one day I'd be sitting playing consoles or on my PC with other people. And as time went on, I got introduced to online gaming through the Dreamcast, which was the first console ever to have online gaming. So this was back in 1999 when the Sega Dreamcast released, and I was very excited by the concept of playing games online and playing games with other people. I was very excited even to have an email address and to be able to email people. The absolute hype around that, and thinking about it now, it's a little bit ridiculous because we're so much more connected. But I remember firing up that Dreamcast and once online play finally got enabled, everyone who had the console initially got sent out a game called Choo Choo Rocket, which is like an online party game basically. You're playing on like a tiled grid. You have arrows that you can place. You have a certain amount of them that you can place at one time. And basically you have a rocket and there's mice coming out from a certain area and you're trying to use the tile grid to place arrows to direct them into your rocket. Now the cool thing about this game was when you were playing this with other people, they were then trying to put their arrows in the way and direct them into their rocket. It's actually a really good game. I would love to see that game make a comeback because it was so much fun. I remember just spending hours and hours playing this online, thinking I'm playing with other people and this is so cool. Despite the fact that the game had some seriously heavy input lag, so you were placing an arrow down on the tile and maybe about two seconds later it would appear, which at the time didn't really feel too bad because it was my first experience into the online gaming world. But if that was the case now, I think it just wouldn't be acceptable because people want instant reactions even when they are playing online. I know myself, a second or two can be the difference between success and failure. So that was something that was kind of dealt with and it was kind of understandable because the the Dreamcast modem had a download speed of 33 kilobytes a second, which, I mean, think about that these days, that would be absolutely unacceptable for your online gaming. 
And this online journey from the Dreamcast, which really was the gateway for me for online gaming, then moving into games like Fantasy Star Online, and I remember there being a demo disc with the official Dreamcast magazine for a game called Planet Ring, which included all these online multiplayer mini games, which I spent a lot of time in as well. And something that actually did happen during my time playing online games was that I didn't have a PC at the time, so I didn't have an internet connection I could share to my Dreamcast, so I was accessing the internet directly through my Dreamcast. And I remember I thought I had signed up to some internet package where I was able to go on the internet after 6pm and at weekends for free, and my parents were paying a, a small monthly fee for that. Yes, imagine only being able to access the internet after certain hours boy, it makes you feel old just saying these things. And anyway, it turns out that I hadn't actually set it up correctly or it wasn't compatible with the Dreamcast. We were paying for this subscription and I was going on after six and I was going on the weekends and I was playing a lot of Dreamcast online. And then the phone bill came in and it was several hundred pounds. And I remember my parents being like, oh my God, what the heck? And anyway, my dad had phoned the phone company and they looked at the records and they were like yeah consistently after six and at weekends and they waived the charge thankfully so that was okay and from there I ended up getting a PC and then an AOL internet which meant that I wasn't running up insane bills unknowingly anymore and that led me to playing the likes of many more games online because of the accessibility that PC gaming had I think was well ahead of consoles at the time and then playing the likes of Diablo and then moving into games like World of Warcraft. And then from there, it just opened up a whole world of online games, MMORPGs. And now just sitting here today thinking most games that I'm playing, I can play them online. I can play them with friends without a second thought. But to think about where we came from with regards to that, I remember even picking up the original Xbox, which had online compatibility as well and I remember spending weeks trying to figure out even how to get that online because I was trying to share my internet connection from my PC I had huge ethernet cables running around the house into the, the modem downstairs or the router downstairs and eventually one day I had this crazy setup where I had a TV pulled over to the side of my computer and cables running out and I managed to get it work and I remember playing Burnout 3 with one of my friends at the time as well and just thinking that this was incredible. Just how more complicated the online experience was initially, but now, like I said, it's just, there's no thought about it. It's just so much simpler, so much easy to access and there isn't really the barriers of entry anymore that I perhaps had when I was younger and you see people a lot younger now playing games online, especially on their phones if they're playing the likes of Fortnite or maybe more recently Among Us, and just how that connectivity is just there now. It's just the default, and that's what we have come to expect. And we expect that probably to get even easier. I mean, I don't know how, but it probably will. But what has your online journey looked like? How did you get into online gaming? Or maybe you don't really like online gaming, or maybe you once did and you don't, or you once didn't and now you do. I'd love to hear from you about your stories as you've journeyed into the online world too. It's trivia time. So during that ramble, I mentioned the Sega Dreamcast and the Dreamcast stored its save file on a memory card known as the VMU, which is Visual Memory Unit. But what vegetable 
is named on the microchip inside of this device? Is it cabbage, potato, or onion? The correct answer is potato. When you open the unit up and read the chip inside, you can see that it is labeled potato. Sega has never stated why they named this. If you got that one right, give yourself an extra life. And finally, on three extra lives, what have I been playing since I last spoke to you? Well, I've been playing a game called State of Mind. And I actually have to thank my partner, my fiance Amanda, because I've been using the Steam library family share and I actually went to pick up this game and realized that she had it. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to use that feature on Steam, sharing my library with my fam jam and playing that game. So thank you, Amanda, for not being online on Steam when I have been playing this. And State of Mind is a futuristic thriller game delving into transhumanism. The game explores themes of separation, disjuncture, and reunification in a world that is torn between a dystopian material reality and a utopian virtual future. You can definitely see why I got very excited when I read that synopsis about playing this game as well. Going into this game, you will you'll quickly be introduced to two of the main characters, which is Richard and Adam. And Richard and Adam both have accidents around the same time. And you start the game waking up as Richard, who is voiced by Doug Cocky, who you might know as the voice actor of Geralt of Rivia in the Witcher games, which just putting that together now, I'm like, oh yeah, there it is. And you wake up and you're trying to piece together your memories of why this accident happened, of why when you return home that your wife and your child is missing basically trying to work out what's going on there's a bit of a conspiracy potentially behind your accident and then there's a connection with the other character adam who actually exists in a virtual world and turns out to be part of your memory part of like your conscious mind that has been uploaded into this virtual world without your permission and Adam is then trying to uncover memories to fill in the blanks for Richard. This game is primarily just a narrative experience. There are a few puzzles in there as you progress. Sometimes it's just working out where you need to go and who you need to talk to. But it is set in this cyberpunk world where there's androids, there's technology advancements. For example, when you're in your very high-tech apartment, and you're looking out the window, maybe the rain's beating down on the glass, but then you have these drones flying around with adverts and they come across your window every so often and you really get the feel that you are in a futuristic world, but not too futuristic that it doesn't feel unrealistic. It feels like this is in some ways what the future could look like. You will quickly get to notice that there is a lot of tension and anguish in the main character that there's something not quite right and as you uncover the story you might become a bit more sympathetic with the main character because I know for quite a long while I felt like the main character was a bit of a douchebag really <laughs> and, but I think it was more in a way that I felt this 
in a good way that this character was being like this but trying to understand perhaps why they were being like this and as the story continues to unfold you perhaps understand why this might be the case. Again I think playing this game the first hour or so it is quite slow to to build up but as it progresses it does get really interesting to find out what the heck is going on in this game and the interactions between the real world and the virtual world and what's actually happening there and in the virtual world that is building up to a certain event that's going to be happening at the end of the week so the game progresses kind of on a daily basis and in the virtual world they're building up to this event that's happening at the end of the week and they're talking about it people are mentioning it constantly there's some strange activity with regards to earthquakes happening in this virtual world as well but it's all tied in to the real world and connecting that together and filling in the blanks to uncover this mystery so i've been having a lot of fun with this game i'm about six hours in and i haven't reached the end just yet i think i'm very close and according to howlongtobeat.com you've got this game sitting at about nine to eleven hours for main story completion maybe with a little bit extra there as well so it is like a mini tv series in a way that you can enjoy and it it definitely acts that it doesn't feel like you need to do long playthrough sessions of this i've been doing it like an hour at a time taking a break coming back and it does kind of pause in in good moments for you to do that that you come back and you're not really forgetting what you were doing or what's happened and i, I definitely like that in this game as well so it's been a very enjoyable experience i love the soundtrack in this game obviously captures the futuristic feel and also there is moments just in this game where you can find areas to sit down some ai will ask you if you want some music to be played and usually that ends up in a thought provoking moment in the game as well and i just enjoy the feel of this world you don't get to explore it too much but what you do get to explore it's it has a great feel to it and it really feels like you really want to explore more of the world you can't because of the limitations in the game but that doesn't take away from what you do get to explore and the art style as well in this game is quite unique with how the characters look and feel there's kind of this blocky like virtual fighter art style to the characters but it definitely works in this environment too so that has been state of mind that is by daedalic entertainment and go check it out it might blow your mind it's trivia time so i was talking about state of mind and that's set in a technological world there's computers there's maybe a bit of hacking in there and that led me to this question a man hack is a mechanical enemy from which well-known first-person video game series is it? Half-Life, Halo, or Destiny? The correct answer is Half-Life. Did you get that one right? If you did, give yourself an extra life. And here we are at the end of another level of Free Actual Life. How did you do on the trivia this week? Why not let me know over on social media? You can find the show at Free Actual Lives in most places. 
As always, you can email the show, podcast at Three Extra Lives. Like I mentioned at the top of the show, there's now a Discord that you can join. You can find a link to that over at threeextralifes.com as well as show notes to this level so you don't have to go searching for anything I've mentioned during this level. It's all there. It is all there. I've done the hard work. You don't have to. Head over to threeextralifes.com for more information. And that is it. Thank you very much for tuning in. I very much appreciate it. And I will see you all in level 62. Find more at dragonpoweredstudio.com.